So you go double kibasi? It's been known to happen. Holy crap! I mean, I can see you taking two kibasis at once in college, but probably not on a sandwich. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Find your kids, find your wife, and you tell them we're doing radio up in here. The Pirates are who I thought they were, and I ain't letting them off the hook. Before the season, I would not have been surprised if they were a game or two above 500. The Pirates are three games over 500 just seven days before the trade deadline. That has them at four games back for the second wild card in the National League. It's where they were always going to be. I can't count the number of times I said leading up to Pirate season and at the beginning of Pirate season that if they were around 500 at the deadline, they were going to be in it because you're in it if you're anywhere near mediocre. The National League wild card race is a bunch of also-rans. The Dodgers or the Cubs are going to come out of the National League and play for the World Series. One of them. The rest are also-rans. The Braves and the Phillies are fighting for the division and the wild card at the same time. The Brewers are frauds. It's a bunch of nobodies. So the Pirates, they fit right in. Sure, they've won 10 games in a row. Sure, their outfielders are playing better than any trio in baseball. Sure, the pitching staff has suddenly turned things around. The Pirates may have gotten to three games over 500 in dramatic fashion, but this is what they were always expected to be. Don't let the theatrics cloud the way you look at them. You can hear from Jason Rollison in 14 minutes here on the Crowley Show. When I woke up today, I found a mouse. It was half dead on the carpet. Both my cats were sniffing around. The mouse wasn't dead. There was still some life. And the cats then got very interested. When they thought it was dead, nothing. Incidentally, the pirates, who I said were dead earlier in this year, are twitching with life. The mouse probably died, though, today. And the pirates, well, they're alive and well right now, aren't going to amount to what you want them to. So the question for you is, Are the Pirates good? That's the subject of my Twitter poll, at underscore Adam Crowley, where the vast majority of you say no. I think they're talented enough to be mediocre, which is exactly where they are. And the statistics, they bear that out. They're a fringe playoff team in terms of offense. They're sixth in run scored in the National League. Five teams make the playoffs. They're sixth in OPS. They're fifth in average. But then the pitching comes into it, and yeah, that's kind of important. They're 10th in ERA, 9th in quality starts, and 10th in batting average against. This is an average baseball team. The pitching's not horrendous, it's also not good. The offense is good, but not great. The starters are average. Tyone is pitching like we thought he would. Tyone looks like an ace right now. Over the last three or four starts, he's been that guy. He's the guy he was early in the season. He's the guy he was two seasons ago. He's the guy he was last year before cancer. 
But after that, it's a whole bunch of what? Musgrove, 408 ERA. I like him. I think he's got ability. The Pirates do, too. He's got great stuff. But again, 408 ERA, he's just been, eh. Kangham, Trevor Williams. Despite what Trevor Williams did yesterday, they've got a 411 ERA, both of them, and they're just bleh. Nova, his career is the definition of bleh. And Chad Cool has a 455 ERA. Those are the six guys who primarily get the ball. The starters are average. Tie on average is just over five innings a start. Same with Nova and Williams and Cole and Kingham and Musgrove. Wait, that's all of them. So while they have been somewhat effective, they're not going deep enough into games. The bullpen is solid on the back end. But they're getting to the bullpen far too early. And guys like Brault and Glass now are having to pitch. That's not good. When you get to the middle relief, the Pirates can be had. Same thing with any team in baseball, but the Pirate starters don't go that deep. This is an average baseball team. Wouldn't shock me to see them a game or two over. Wouldn't shock me to see them a game or two under. I did ask this earlier in the program. What constitutes a successful season for the Pirates? I think if they can add someone at the deadline, that they can have him for years, years of control, and build upon this roster, that's a step forward. Because then maybe you add one more piece in the offseason and you are a little bit closer. Maybe you do get Tyone to be that guy for a full year next year. Now you've got the bullpen all sorted out. They should be better from the start of the season next year. They could do something next year if they punch the right buttons. Not just push them, punch them. Punch the buttons, baby! So for me, what would constitute a successful season this year is if they could find a way to be over 500, and you could actually say they've got some hope for next year. Not like pit football, they've got hope for next year. Not that kind of nonsense. Not like, oh, we just beat Miami, and we've got Kenny Pickett, and we're going to come back and win eight games. No, that's nonsense. It's not going to happen. Uh, like when they beat Clemson a couple of years ago on the road, and they said, oh, we're moving up, baby. We've got a reason to care. We've got a reason. And then they come out last year and they suck out loud, 5-7. and seven. No, I want a real reason for optimism. I want to look at this roster and say they played really well down the stretch and the pieces that they added were successful. And the players that they call up to take the place of a freeze, of a Mercer, that they come in and play well. That's what I want to see. I want to see Josh Bell get better. I want to have hope for the Pirates in 2019 so that I don't have to think that they're going to have to tear the thing down. It wasn't all that long ago that I thought they had to tear it down. And really, I could still be convinced of that if they're not willing to buy in. But it all hangs on that. If the Pirates front office was willing to add a piece or two or three, oh my God, a novel concept, this isn't a baseball team that's that far away if you look at what they have on the offensive side. If they had a pitching staff that wasn't filled with guys, if they had a pitching staff that was filled with legitimate players, then they could be right there. Go add, get better, and give me some hope for 2019. And they do have some incentive to do that now. Four games back, you'd like to see them shave it closer in the next seven days to maybe two games back, something like that. Win this series against Cleveland and then find a way to beat up on the hapless Mets and 
They should be in pretty good shape. But they have to. They have this incentive, Neil Huntington does, because if the Pirates don't add, the public relations disaster will be (laughs) unreal for them. It'll be a tidal wave of Pirates fans at the front door at PNC Park with their pitchforks and torches like they found a black man in Charlottesville, Virginia. The Pirates do have a precedent, though, of going after, which I hated, by the way, obviously. feel like it didn't need to be said, but I'll say it anyhow. Pirates do have a precedent. They have added before at the trade deadline. In 2011, they added Derek Lee and Ryan Ludwig. 2012, they added Wandy Rodriguez, Travis Snyder, Gabby Sanchez, and Chad Qualls. Somebody today tweeted, do you remember where you were when the Pirates added Wandy Rodriguez? I think a lot of Pirates fans do, because for once it seemed like they were trying something. Gave up Rudy Owens. Oh, oh my God. Oh, no. And Wandy was pretty good for the Pirates. Then he got hurt. But I remember where I was. I was at the beach. I was so jammed up. Tear in my eye. Then they collapsed. In 2015, they added Aramis Ramirez, Joe Blanton, Joaquin Soria, Jay Happ, and Michael Morse. 2016, they did trade Mark Melanson to Washington, but they got Felipe Vasquez in return. They also shipped off Francisco Liriano for Drew Hutchinson. That's not good. But they got Ivan Nova and Antonio Bastardo in 2016. And last year, they sent out Tony Watson and they acquired Joaquin Benoit. And it wound up being just okay. They've done stuff at the deadline. How will they do it this year? I'd like to see them add someone of term. Likely, though, you're going to see Freeze get moved. You're going to see Mercer get moved. And I... Say there's probably a 100% chance of that happening. And then you're going to see the Pirates bring in a lefty reliever. We can talk all about bringing in guys with term. We can talk all we want until we're blue in the face about Chris Archer or Jay Happ. The Pirates are probably going to add a left-handed pitcher for the back end of the bullpen. Or for the middle portion of their bullpen. They're going to subtract a couple dudes who are of no consequence. And they're going to add a guy of no consequence. Coming up next, we talk to Jason Rollison of BucksDugout.com and the Locked on Pirates podcast, uh, podcast, broadcast, broadcast, podcast. And we'll ask him all those questions. Starting with, are the Pirates good? It's the Crowley Show. Adam Crowley. Uh, I want to talk about what the hell you guys are doing at Cheese because I, I really don't want to Google condoms, noses on my uh, work computer. So The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Mike Golick Jr. and I are going back and forth on Twitter. All right, that's probably not a fair way of characterizing it. We went back and forth <laughs> once on Twitter. I'll tell you what that exchange was after we hear from Jason Rollison. The Pirates have won 10 games in a row. They're outscoring their opponent 62 to 20. Corey Dickerson's the best player the world's ever seen. Sterling Marte might be better than him. So I asked this question of Jason Rollison. Of the Locked On Pirates podcast and BucksDugout.com. Jason, are the Pirates good? Yeah, I think so. I mean, going into the season, I thought they were very talented. You look up and down the roster, you can see guys like you mentioned, Marte, Polanco, Dickerson, uh, Vasquez, Tyon, of course. They have talent. I kind of thought, you know, they'd be a little two games over 500 at the end of the day, kind of stealing a series here and there that maybe they shouldn't. And that's pretty much played out to be. I think, uh, 
I think the stretch you saw at the beginning of the season was a glimpse of what they can do if everything was firing on cylinders, and we're seeing that now. The truth as to what this team actually is is probably in the middle, but I think it trends a little closer to what you're seeing now, which you saw at the beginning of the year, than something much worse. Yeah, I think they're probably closer to what they are at the beginning of the year, uh, but I do think that they're a baseball team that was always probably destined to be sitting kind of where they are. Uh, I think that they are a team that could challenge to be above 500. Uh, they're a team that could also maybe, if a thing or two didn't go their way, wind up being below 500. which brings us now to the question, what do the Pirates do at the deadline? Uh, do they soft sell? Do they soft buy? Maybe a little of both? Or do they try to go out and get uh, a Hap or an Archer? Uh, Hap does not have any term. Uh, Archer does. I kind of would like to see them go after a guy who they would have f- for a couple more years. Yeah, well, if you listen to their GM, the, the Pirates GM, that is, uh, they've obviously risen to his challenge. When he said, when he sit down the gauntlet a couple weeks ago, that the team would have to really go on a little bit of a tear to make them think about buying, that's exactly what they did. So we take him at his word. Uh, it's kind of sometimes hard to do, but if we take him at his word, uh, they're going to be buyers. To the degree they're going to be buyers, I am not so sure. I hate to dampen on the parade, but someone like Archer is just going to be uh, just not in the Pirates' plans. They are not going to give up the talent needed to get that kind of level of control, I think, uh, four more years. But someone like Cap, who is a, a pure rental, or someone like, uh, just throwing some names out, Kevin Gosman from the Orioles, kind of these one- or two-year controllable guys may be a bit more realistic. Jason, I have railed on the Pirates for years, as says almost everyone, about uh, not getting it done in the offseason. Over the course of the last handful of trade deadlines, though, they have made some moves. Uh, I don't want to be the guy that now says, oh, don't buy now that they are somewhat in contention, Um, but I do kind of maybe lean a little bit more that way. So I wonder, are they better off going out and trying to spend some cash, or, or are they better off going out and try to use some prospect capital? Well, there's they're stocked in a certain a few certain areas in their system. So on BucksDuckout.com today, I actually uh, wrote a piece about where that strength is. It's at shortstop. They have a glut of guys there in, in, the, uh, in the farm system. They have a ton of good outfielders with potential. Um, a couple of good corner infielders as well, and Brian Hayes and Bill Craig. So I, I think the answer is, is both to be to take an absolute cop out sure um yeah i mean neil huntington needs to kind of uh realize that prospects can get you fired if you don't uh use them properly they also they stock your major league team but they also bring talent in and the sooner he realizes that the better and i happen to think that this year uh this upcoming offseason i think they will look to add to the starting rotation so i think it may be both freeze mercer are they both likely going to be moved out i don't see any reason to keep uh, Mercer, certainly. It is absolutely no reason to keep them. Uh, Neil Huntington's beaten into our heads that, Neil, that uh, Kevin Newman is ready, uh, their best shortstop prospect right now. Um, there's no reason to keep them, but I also want to caution people that the market for them is not going to be that great. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Seriously, when you, look, when you look at baseball right now, there's five or six teams that are truly contending, that are truly going to be there in the championship series. You know, the Bostons, the Houstons of the world. The other guys are kind of fighting for scraps, and the market is just not going to be there for guys like Mercer and Freeze. I, I do expect that they'll listen, of course, and they may end up moving them for a very uh, minor prospect, but don't, don't get too excited. Jamison Tyon, 2-0 with a 1.59 ERA over this 10-game winning streak. Uh, it looks like he is back to the guy he was at the beginning of the season, and really it looks like he's finally living up to expectations. Uh, what's changed with him? We have to start with the slider. 
uh, you know, one day he just started throwing a slider. It's as simple as that. And uh, if you're following the Pirates this year, the big storyline that you're paying attention to is the fact that the Pirates are still slaves to fastballs, but not forcing fastballs, which are kind of trendy in baseball right now. They're still beholden to a sinker, beholden to like a two-seamer, get pitches over the plate, inside, outs and three pitches or less, not using much bending stuff. The tie-on is, is going against that grain, and ever since he adopted his slider, he's had that pitch as an out, as a weapon pitch, uh, and it can get him back in counts too. So that's number one. Number two, uh, I think he's just going out there with confidence and pounding the zone. If you look at his zone rate over his past 10 starts, it's markedly better than what it was before. So he's challenging hitters and winning. Jason Rollison joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Williams has pitched well uh, over this 10-game stretch. Uh, he's 2-0, and hasn't uh, given up any earned runs. Uh, how good can he be? Uh, does he project to kind of be the guy he's been all season long, sits around a 4 ERA, or is there a little bit more upside there? There's a little bit more. Uh, he has good command, uh, aside from earlier in the season when he had a couple uh, very bad games in terms of walk totals. But he has good command. He, he gets in the zone. He just gets it out there. What he does better than most pitchers in the Pirates rotation, maybe Tyon excluded, is he works the edges really well, the edges of the strike zone. Um, I think he's got something like a 40, 42% edge rate, which is most among the Pirates starters right now. And he gets his fair share of called strikes in that edges as well. So he does that very well, and he just is steady. I was watching him last night, and you know nothing really seemed to face him. When he loaded the bases, he got a strikeout to get out of it followed by a ground out. Uh, just very steady mentally, very good approach, uh, works the edge as well. And I think he's close to his ceiling, but I think he might find a little bit more before it's all said and done. Who do you pull out of the rotation if they were to add a guy? Boy, it would suck if I said Trevor Williams after saying all that. But, <laughs> right. But, I mean, look, uh, the, the organization is very intent on making Musgrove into a starter. Uh, of course, he spent a lot of time at the Astros bullpen last year before coming over. But they're not going to ban that experiment. They love what Ivanova does with his two-seamer and curveball. So the guy to come out, you know, might just be Williams because Kingham also has very good breaking stuff. Um, so if they add a starter, that would be the play, in my opinion. Is that the thing to do? Should they be adding a starter? I go back and forth because the team's bullpen has rounded itself into shape. Right. The offense, the offense can just go on these tears out of nowhere with all the talent they have in pretty much most positions, if not all. Uh, so the only conceivable place I can see them making a plus addition would be the rotation. Um, what I kind of caution people is that when you buy a, a starter at the deadline, you're paying for 10 starts more or less, right. maybe eight or 10 starts. So you don't want to overpay for just that many starts, but, you know, if you can, you know, if a starter comes over for 10 games, you win eight of them. That's a worthwhile addition. It happened with half. In 15, I think that might inform them this year. Yeah, and I think one of the things that that does is if you bring in a guy even for 10 starts, if you can get somebody who you feel confident they can go deep into baseball games, then your bullpen's not taxed. And the way the Pirates' bullpen is set up, I think their back three, maybe their back four is good. I mean, they are good pitchers. They've pitched well. It's whenever you get into that soft underbelly of the bullpen, that's whenever you're kind of effed. Yeah, Uh Good term, F. That's, I'm going to have to work that in my sure. writing here. Um, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Vasquez, Crick, who is extremely underappreciated in my opinion, uh, Santana and Richard Rodriguez, those guys are quite the foursome. So you're right. The cumulative effect of adding a starter could, 
you know, not only add to your strengths, but also mask some of your weaknesses, which is uh, getting to those guys. So it would be worthwhile add, but I, you know, as, as I said earlier, if, well, if Huntington is willing to pay the prospect cost, that's another story. Can you help me understand Polanco? Because the numbers look good now. Uh, when he's bad, though, he's really bad. And the hope with him is that every time he goes on one of these tears, oh, maybe he's found himself, but maybe he's just that inconsistent player. So what's the value of a guy like that? Because at the end of the day, the stats look good, but there are times whenever you're trotting a guy out there who's not helping at all. Yeah, well, the thing about Polanco is that he did make a significant adjustment about a month and a half ago now. I think he moved off the play a little bit, which kind of closed some holes in his swing. So there is something you can point to that was mechanical, causing that long slump that he had. But you're right, he is kind of prone to these prolonged slumps. I look at Polanco as uh, a guy who you should know what you expect from him, and that is a power stroke. Uh, We see he's got a pretty healthy home run total right now. He can also have pretty consistent double power when he does connect for hits as well. So I think as long as you can live with a 240-250 average, uh, perhaps he learns how to get out of slumps a little bit sooner. Um, but he is what he is at this point, and I would take him because, like I said, uh, he has that consistent doubles power as well as some pop for home runs as well. The Pirates outfielders rank first in the National League in OPS. Uh, they rank first in slugging and batting average. They're second in home runs, just a couple behind the Dodgers. So they're playing well. You can't trade Dickerson now, can you? No, I think it's either... Uh, rethink your outfield of the future and sign him to an extension or least approach him for one or just play out the year with him. I don't think that uh, he'll have any less value if you decide to go in a different direction in the offseason, but he's being such a good run producer. Basically, anywhere you put him in the lineup, really, in the batting order, really. Uh, so I think at the very least, you have to play the uh, year out with him. I kind of want to see Josh Bell join this home run train. If everyone else is going to start hitting him, why not him? Well, you know, I think last year we were a little a little led astray by his uh, home run total. I think he had 26 last year. I think that represents the absolute ceiling for him. Now, what you've seen so far this year is definitely nowhere near what I would consider the floor in terms of his power potential. He has consistent 15 to 20 home run power. I I really can't explain it. I've, I've tried to look at it, and eventually I just get frustrated and push myself away from the, from the desk and, and say, screw this and go do something else. Um, but he is what he is, much like Polanco. He makes good contact. He has a pretty good approach. I think he does have a tendency to over-tinker at the plate um, in the box. So I think we, it's, it's more of a case of us tempering our expectations. But I also think that uh, if he could just settle on an approach and stick with it, I think he might uh, get more consistent results. Jason, the Pirates, according to Buster Olney and ESPN's projections, have about an 18% chance of making the playoffs. I think this was before yesterday's game. And the Nationals, who have a similar record, I think they had around a 58% chance of making the playoffs. You buying any of that stuff? You know, I always take that with a grain of salt because uh, if you look at the, just at the National League Central, there's going to be some tough games for the club coming up. Um, the Brewers, as much as they faltered lately, are not really going to be any drastically worse than they have been. The Cardinals can get hot, and the Cubs are the Cubs. So I just think on that fact alone, the fact that they play those teams so often coming up, uh, you know, it's going to be tough. Uh, 18% sounds about right if you believe in such nonsense. Um, but I think we have, they obviously have to play the games, of course. And you know, talk to me again at the end of August, and if that percentage jumps, then I'll start to believe it. Really good stuff, Jason. Appreciate the time. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Jason Rollison, you can check him out, BucksDugout.com. And, of course, Pirates. Locked on Pirates. 
<laughs> I'm getting old. I'm getting tired. I'm focusing on tonight's game between the Buckos and the Indians. Hopefully this one gets off on time. Although I could get behind six-inning baseball game. They mercy-ruled the bleep out of those Indians, baby. Bryce tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Everybody should tune in to the best sports radio show in Pittsburgh and listen to Crowley because he'd be doing radio up in here. Yes, Bryce. Yes. I have my tweet exchange from Mike Golick Jr. And I'll tell you about it next. It's a Crowley show. The Adam Crowley Show. I'm with you, and you know what? That'd be an even better point than your cheese teas today. And that's saying something, because your cheese teas are unbelievable. Thank you, sir. they're my favorite thing on Twitter. Adam Crowley. Oh, yeah. Cheese. Yeah. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Mike Golick Jr. tweeted out a little while ago. He said, great point by Lewis Riddick on NFL Live. For big-time running backs, your pro career starts in college. Max out those first three years and get the hell out. So I said, for guys like Gurley and Barkley and Zeke, sure, but Bell, Hunt, Kamara, they weren't first-round picks, and the rookie deals don't come close to compensating them for their contribution. To which he snarkily replied, correct, which is the whole point of my tweet and Lewis's point. Max out equals be a top 10 pick during a time when teams are more likely to spend draft capital at that position. But, Mike, here's the deal, man. You can't just all of a sudden become a top 10 pick. Le'Veon Bell became the back that he became because the Steelers told him you got to drop a few pounds. Great coaching, a good offensive line, and then he developed into a great player. Uh, Alvin Kamara was a good player in college. So was Kareem Hunt, but... They became far better in the National Football League than they ever were in college. It's not easy to just become a top 10 pick. It's not. You mature at different rates. You play in different conferences. You're recruited or under-recruited by different schools throughout the country. No, I don't buy that at all either. Well, you just got to do everything you can to be great in college, and then you're going to be a top 10 pick. I mean, what percentage of guys are going to be a top 10 pick? Not a lot of them, especially not the running back position. No, I don't buy that at all. That's wrong. I said, ah, gotcha. That was my response to him because I didn't feel like going back and forth with him during my radio show on Twitter. But I might after the show. I might go after this guy. I might tell him to eat me. And say some things that have merit behind them. I might go after him a little bit. That's a terrible take. Well... If you really want to max out and not risk your body, what you got to do is be one of the best running backs in the world going into the draft. And then you have to hope that you get drafted in the first round. And then you got to hope that you stay healthy and you get to complete that contract and get all that cash. Okay, great. It's not like it's a decision that gets made. You don't think Le'Veon Bell was playing as hard as he possibly could at Michigan State? Uh, you're telling me that Le'Veon Bell didn't do everything he could to up his draft status between his career at Michigan State and the NFL draft? Uh, you don't think that he was working his tail off? You don't think he was trying to get things done at the NFL Combine? Give me a break. That bad take, Lewis Reddy. Eh, it's worse that Mike Golick Jr. just compounds it. Uh, puts it out there for the people to consume. People who weren't watching NFL Live. 
It's time for the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. The American Athletic Conference Commissioner is recognizing UCF's claim as national champs, and Tom is shaking his head, and I'm shaking mine up and down. That means I'm nodding, which means I agree. Why the hell wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you try to make your conference seem more prominent? Why wouldn't you try to get a program that could be your torchbearer? Why wouldn't you try to get a flagship championship caliber team in your conference? Oh, you pump air into their tires as much as possible. It's going to piss off people at Alabama. It's going to piss off people at Auburn. But yo, I get it. And I like it. And it increases the profile of the conference. The American Athletic Conference is a good football conference. They got UCF. They got USF. They got WWF. What? That's a Stan joke. I apologize to the audience, and I apologize for Stan. To Stan for kind of taking him out. They got Memphis. They got Houston. It's a good league. And it's a great league if you've got the national champ in it. So why not say it? People will believe it. You don't think UCF fans aren't rallying around that cause? Undefeated team that beat the team that beat the team that won the national championship? That counts in my book. And if you're a UCF, why don't you claim that yourselves? They have. It's a smart thing to do. It increases the profile of that institution. And it might not be true, but is it any less true than Alabama being the national champion? Why? Because ESPN came up with a format to put four teams in a college football playoff? It's always been mythical in college. Oh, these are the best two teams. Oh, who's deciding? Oh, a computer. No, these are the best two teams. Oh, who's deciding? Well, they're using a computer formula, and it's just a bunch of people talking about what they saw. Wait a second. That's how the national champion gets determined? Not on the field? Well, they do play a four-team playoff. Okay, but the teams get picked subjectively. Uh, Ohio State had just as good of a case to get in this year as Alabama did. They didn't. Baylor had absolutely just as good of a case to get into the college football championship the year that Ohio State won the national championship. They were conference champs. They had a bunch of great wins. They don't get in. Well, the committee decided they're not good enough. Not a good enough team. So why does the committee get to decide Whenever UCF says, hey, we put it all out there on the football field. We beat Auburn, Auburn beat Alabama. Hey, it's the the, the old way of things? Could have gotten done that way. Well, who decides now? Well, it's the AP. It's always been mythical in college sports. What say you, Tom? I'll give you your rebuttal. You don't have anything. You're like Lewis Riddick. You guys go to pit, you have bad ideas, and I squash them. I went to Duquesne, first of all. And second of all, you're just flat out wrong. And that's all I have to say. I'm not flat out wrong. But that's basically what the college football playoff committee members do. This team's good, and that's all I have to say. But what about criteria? Give me some criteria. No, they're better. And that's what I have to say. Strength of schedule. Oh, okay. Yeah, I always go back to strength of schedule. Oh, I forgot. Ohio State, yeah, they played no one this year. They didn't play Oklahoma. Yeah, not at all. Didn't play. Didn't play Penn State. Didn't play Michigan. Didn't play Michigan State. Get me the hell out of here with that. Eh, nonsense. So from here on out, on the Crowley Show... UCF is our national champion. No, no, disagree. From here on out, on this side of the glass, on the Crowley Show, UCF is our national champion. Half of the glass. Thank you, Brian. At least it's an optimistic view. So on side of that table, champions. On this side of the glass, 
on this side of the table, on the Crowley Show, UCF for national champions. That was the hottest take of the day. Woo! Other rap. Nick Saban told his quarterbacks, don't call attention to yourself. He wants all the attention on himself. Woo! Other rap. The Rams and Todd Gurley agreed to a record running back deal. Imagine if his name was Todd Manley. Woo! Other rap. Dwayne Wade was offered $25 million to play in China. Hope he doesn't step on Stephon Marbury's toes. Woo! Other rap. He's the best player in China basketball history. Woo! Other rap. Gary Sanchez, the embattled Yankees catcher, was placed on the disabled list. This coming just a day after he didn't run out two ground balls. More like Gary sit on the bench, Shez. Woo! Other rap. I hear he's dirty. Woo! Other rap. On this side of the table, my joke was better. Woo! Other rap. Shut up, dude. Woo! Other rap. It's been 600 days since Pit Basketball won a conference game. Uh, more like Gary sit on the benches. Nailed it. It's time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, the language barrier. You'd think that Tiger solo atop the leaderboard, he'd be like, oh my God, he's back. I'm done. And just fold. But he didn't. Yeah, we were talking about it yesterday. And I, I have a, a hunch that it was a language barrier problem. Like somebody said Tiger and he didn't realize Tiger was on the course. He speaks flowing Italian. So he just kept playing like Tiger wasn't even there. He didn't know. And after the after the match, he's like, oh man, he was, oh no. There's a tiger chasing me. Second star. Tonight, second star of the show, Roy Halliday. And they traded Tony Watson and got Sean Rod and uh, the, the, the dead guy from the Phillies. Um, actually, that was at the... Jesus office. Christ! Roy Halliday! No, not that... Uh. Oh, no, did I just do it then? And you can be damn sure the Cubs will go out and get what they need. They absolutely will. Probably not Roy Halladay. <laughs> Probably not Roy Halladay. <laughs> first star. And tonight's first star of the show, Saving the Mouse. Did you think for any second, like, any way to save the mouse? I thought about it after the fact. <laughs> like, maybe I can drive him to the vet. <laughs> But he probably would have died in the ambulance. If I could have life flighted it, maybe it would have survived. We could, of course, try to save him, but it would be costly, difficult, and we'd have to send away for some special, really tiny instruments. <laughs> well, uh, are there any other options? We could put him to sleep. What might that cost? Well, it's by the hound, so about 80 cents. Well, it's just curious, that's all. We, uh... He'd like you to do everything possible. He, um, he's not going to be the same, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> if I get home and he's alive, I don't know if I should be happy or sad. Uh, 
You never want to see one of God's creatures' life extinguished. But at the same time, the poor little bugger was probably suffering. Here's tonight's starting lineup for the Pirates. The mouse that's life is flickering. Dickerson, Marte, Polanco, Diaz, Moran, Bell, Freeze, Harrison, Mercer, Musgrove. Who let the dogs out? The mouse is dead. Is tonight the night the Pirates come back to Earth? Not if Joe Musgrove has anything to say about it. Shane Bieber opposing. Never heard of that guy. The mouse is dead. You know, Musgrove threw a career-high 106 pitches, but had a no decision in his last start. The mouse is dead. It will be after tonight. If Shane Bieber's got anything to say about it. Tomorrow on the show, maybe Tim Benz. That's all I got for it. Pray for the mouse tonight. It's Crowley Show.